Yeah, I've been getting the emails, but I've kind of been blowing them off. <laughs> so I guess I should pay attention. Oh, no. Michelle Nichols what? died. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, fuck. She's among the stars. All right, hang on. Let me add that to the list. <laughs> Another talking point. <laughs> dance, monkey, dance. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Dance Monkey Dance. I'm Chris. I'm John. How you doing, John? I'm doing great, Chris. How are you? I'm okay. What's new? Oh, next week I get to go to my first convention in two and a half years. Ooh, what are you going to? I'm taking my daughter to an anime convention. Oh. (laughs) I mean, oh, that's awesome. So she's gotten really into anime and like, I guess anime is a, is a really popular thing amongst like young kids. Okay. Um, even though a lot of it is not age appropriate. (laughs) Right. Um, and not like hentai stuff, but just like in general, like anime stuff can be rather violent. Yeah. And so, um, I was, I was looking around because she's, you know, because both of her parents work during the summer, she's kind of had to just kind of like ride out um, the weeks of not doing a whole lot. And so I was like, I really need to take her somewhere and started looking it up online. And there happens to be a Comic-Con anime Comic-Con in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is only a couple hours from here. Okay. And so, um, she's we were looking online and um apparently there's some game that she plays where some of her favorite character voiceover artists are going to be there so i figure this will be a good like a good time for her are you going to come back the same day you're going to do an overnight yeah no we'll come back the same day oh all right yeah i mean you can't stay for the the anime rave (laughs) Or are you just going to drive in the middle of the night? I don't know if I would want to take my kid to an anime rave. No? Mm. It'd be a life-altering event for you. <laughs> I think for the both of us. So that'll be interesting. I'll report back on Sunday oh, about okay, what it was cool. like. Um, you know, she's already planning out whether or not she's going to go in cosplay. And I was like, oh, okay. okay. I'm not, so don't ask. Oh, <laughs> You're not gonna pick an outfit you guys can do together. Uh, no. You can't go as like the 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 little boy who turns into a maid when he's wet. <laughs> I think what? that'd be great. What? Yeah, that's 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 one of the things. Oh. I don't. Uh... Little boy who turns into a maid when he gets wet. Oh, actually, there's there's an article on my anime list that says 15 anime maids who are actually male. 
Uh, so it's a running theme. Got it. Yes. Okay. No, I won't be doing that. Okay. I was thinking maybe Old West Green Lantern, but, you know, eh. Eh, that's been done. Well, it's really not going to fit in. <laughs> Unless you're going to do, like, you know, I don't know, some anime makeup. Well, I need I need to come up with something that, like, is totally out of place, but fits within a narrative. You know, like the, the people that dress up like Star Trek characters that go to Ren Fairs. Mm. I need something like that. I need something that would be like... <laughs> you should dress up as a furry. No. Come on. SWAT team member? Nobody would know who you are. <laughs> I don't think that I could take being in a furry costume in August... Especially with the way the temperatures have been. Yeah. All right. Don't think I could do it. <sighs> Wimp. <laughs> yeah. Well. Why don't you come up next weekend and we'll go and you can go with us. Uh no. <laughs> I mean, if there's anybody good, I might consider it, but it's mm. it's nobody you know. Okay. Tara Strong. No. It, no. It's all. It's all like. Let me pull it up. Hang on. Um, it, they're voiceover artists for video games and like American versions of Japanese anime. So it's the first one on the list is Risa Me. You probably don't oh, know. Oh, of course. Um, she was in the Jim Henson Company cast of World Party on Net Word Party on Netflix. Word party? Yeah. She did the yeah. voice of Tilly the Tortoise, <laughs> apparently. Okay. Um, so it's it's people like that. But, like, some of these people are in the video games that um, my kid plays. Okay. And so she's she got all excited when she saw some of these. And so I was like, all right. Well, that'll be fun for her. Yeah. And I've dragged her to, to regular conventions before, so. Yeah. You know. So she's getting back at you. Is that what you're saying? No, you have to, you have to, um, what's the word? Not sacrifice is not a right word, but like, you know, you have to do things for your kids that you may not enjoy. That's right. This is just one of those. God knows they've done enough that they don't enjoy. <laughs> exactly. You know, every time you pull them somewhere where they're like, this sucks. And it's like, I, well, okay. Weirdly, though, in the um, cosplay guest section, there's only four. And the it, it what is Yaya there? No, she's not. Oh, but there are two African-American um, cosplayers who are the stereotypical, like big breasted popping out wearing like cat ears. So that should be interesting. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So one is named Yarn Goddess, <laughs> and okay. she is a queer African Caribbean cosplayer who's taken crochet crochet to a new level. All oh of their God. cosplays are crocheted by them. On top of being handy with a crochet hook, they're an avid voice of Black issues in the cosplay community. So that's just one. So that'll be good. 
Hmm. Okay. It's are all in territory. A, are you going to get a picture with her? Of course. You <laughs> <He> better. <laughs> she doesn't look that freaky. I'm looking at her Instagram page. I mean, like the crochet shit's kind of 70s looking. Yeah, I mean, all crochet stuff is 70s looking. Yeah. Then there's one, the other, the other African-American is O-P-P-A-I Princess. And the picture on the website is her dressed as a cow, I guess. Holding milk. Okay. Again, I mean, other than having big boobs, I don't... Woo. <laughs> <laughs> She's asking an awful lot of that of her clothing. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Okay. So this should be interesting. This will be a fun time with the 12-year-old. <laughs> mm. Oh, do you know what opai means? No. Do I want it's, to? It's the Japanese word for breasts. Oh, well, there you go. I thought they were just anime titties. You know what the kids call them these days? She's got an OnlyFans page. Oh, well. That's a little weird. There you have it. That's somebody who you want to introduce your kids to. Your big titty gamer girlfriend is here to be your fan service. <laughs> I specialize oh in thigh and titty worship. <laughs> okay. Mm, yeah. All right. $17 a month. That's awful pricey, lady. Well, make sure you use a burner credit card so you don't contract. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Well, that was interesting. Ooh. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. So you're gonna go see <laughs> the Opie Princess with the daughter. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh. Yep. So that'll be good. You know. Oh, I gotta go. The uh, ice cream trucks here. Oh, get me something. <laughs> get a choco taco before they're all gone. <laughs> Hmm. Well, we've uh, we've had a few casualties this week. We did. That's sad. Like, there seems to be a lot of entertainment deaths recently. Yeah. And one that they thought was dead, and then turned back to be alive, which was really but, weird. But then, but he's really dead, right? No, I thought he was really alive. I thought when they posted it, he was still alive, the, but he was in hospice. The dude from Leave it to Beaver? Yeah. Oh, I thought he was... Wait a minute. Wait, I'm not dead yet. Oh, I guess he did die. Okay. He was diagnosed with liver cancer in May of 2022. On, June, on July 26, 2022, after a 
premature report of Dow's death, his family announced that he was alive at his home in, in Topanga, California. However, it was reported that he was in his last hours and under hospice care. He then died the following day of July 27th at the age of 77. Jesus Christ. That, wow. <laughs> I wonder if he had a sense of humor about it. Or if it was just very, it's like, hey, not dead yet. Most people that are that far gone in hospice probably aren't aware of anything. Yeah, that's true. Although, I, I don't know if you know this, but he was also a director with um, directing episodes of the new Lassie show. Uh, he directed episodes of Harry and the Hendersons, Coach, Babylon 5, and Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And he was also wow. a visual effects supervisor. Okay. He provided visual effects for Babylon 5 and for the Fox television movie of Doctor Who. So he wasn't just Wally from the Beaver. But he isn't really Wally. Wally. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> well, rest in peace, Wally. Yeah. Do you think Whitey's going to be at the. Uh, Funeral service? Oh, I don't know. Is, Ken Osmond? Do you it, think, think uh, Eddie Haskell will show up? Isn't he dead too? Oh, is he? Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. I know Jerry Mathers is alive. All right, hang on. Hang on one second. Leave it to Beaver. Uh, so Hopefully that's not ticking you to an OnlyFans page. <laughs> Ken Osmond is dead. Oh. He died in 2020 bad. at the age of 76. Ooh. So is is Jerry Mathers the only one still alive? I would assume. Uh, From the main cast? I would guess. But what about Whitey? Let's see... Oh, Wasn't there a way. fat kid friend too? No, Whitey's dead too. Whitey's dead too. He died. Wow. He died in two thousand three. Oh. At the age of fifty four. Uh. He died of acute hepatitis. Hmm. Whoa. That's fucked up. Uh. So. Jerry Mathers is still alive and I guess some of the kids are still alive. Kids? Well, you know, the younger actors. The the dude that played Larry. Oh, Larry. He's, I remember he's Larry. He's still alive. Stephen Talbot is still alive. Who's that? He played Gilbert Bates. Oh, of course. But like the main cast, like the, yeah. the the main like above the title cast is Jerry Mathers is last man standing. Oh, you think there'll be a, a tribute show? Or do you think he, it's just too far in the past? People are going to go leave it to what? 
It's too far. It's too far. Yeah. With as many TV shows that are on television now, I think that all of those old type sitcoms, unless you're a real fan of like me TV yeah, and where like they're actually showing some of this stuff like Nick at night and shit like that. The, that's the is, only way. It, does Nick at Night get. still exist? I don't know. I thought that because that be, didn't that become TV Land? Maybe. I mean, it says if you want to watch Leave It to Beaver, you can watch it on Peacock. Oh, okay. So I'm assuming I want to watch like, the new Leave It to Beaver. The new Leave It to Beaver. Yes. Where they got where they all came back as adults. Uh, you can watch that. No, you can't watch that. Never mind. Damn it. Yeah. But, I mean, if anybody has Peacock and wants to watch a show about the perfect family in the 50s, or whatever it was, you know, you can watch Leave it to Beaver. Well, that's good. That's yeah. nice that it's, you know, it's still somewhere. Yeah. So who else died besides him, who I didn't know? Died? Uh, Paul Servino. Yes. Yes, the the Goodfellas cast has taken quite a hit. Yes. That's very sad. Yeah. He quit acting at one point to become an opera singer. Well, he was an opera singer. He, he quit Hollywood to be an opera singer. I'll always think of him fondly from Rocketeer. Is Eddie Valentine? Oh, I'm thinking of him from uh, Dick Tracy, Lips oh, Manless. Yeah, eating those oysters, <laughs> oysters. He was also in, uh, being that he was an opera singer. He was also in a very strange movie. Um, yes. Let me let me pull it up because I got to get the name right. Um. He was in a movie called Repo, the genetic opera. Okay. Um, where it's, it's a musical, but it's about like people that, um, um, repossess organs. Mm -hmm. And so he's in it and Anthony head from, um, Buffy's in it and Paris Hilton's in it and a whole bunch of like weird shit happens a whole bunch of people who like needed the work I guess so mm. but it's a strange fucked up film yeah yeah have not seen it you can watch that on Pluto TV for free apparently yeah I'm good if that tells you anything but yeah he'll always be uh Pauly from Goodfellas mm. yep And then today we found out that Nichelle Nichols died. That's right. No more Ohura. At least not in that sense. There are other Ohuras, but none that will ever live up to her sitting on the bridge doing nothing. So. <laughs> she had the comms. That's all that mattered. I guess. She was the, the telephone operator of the future. <laughs> I mean, it is interesting because they have brought her character back for Star Trek Strange New Worlds and right. played by 
uh, this young actress who I guess this is her one of her first things and they've really gone out of their way to kind of flesh out the character because Nichelle Nichols really only like answered the phone on the TV show she never went anywhere she never did anything she just sat on the bridge hey they're hailing us okay open a channel blah 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 um, so they've really tried to, fr- to flesh out her character in that and like the J.J. Abrams movies but you know that they'll never match the weird feather dance from Star Trek 5 where she was dancing naked up on a hill <laughs> So yeah, she'll she was eighty nine. That's a decent life. Although it's funny because like her IMDB she was really kind of pigeonholed into the whole um um Ohara thing. Ninety percent of her IMDB listings is something Ohura, whether it be in like Family Guy or she was part of that um, that weird group of Star Trek fan films that were made by real Star Trek actors yes and so she did a bunch of those too Um, sometimes she was Ohura sometimes she wasn't sometimes she was somebody named Admiral Jemison like so she was really pigeonholed into that kind of like Although I guess she was on Heroes too, right? Was she? I don't remember her on Heroes. She has a listing as uh, Nana Dawson. Nana Dawson. Okay. Kind of odd that she has two movies in pre-production. Well, I mean, she just died. There's there hasn't been a chance to. Yeah, but she's been battling this. dementia since 2013. Well, maybe it was one of those things where they sit her in a chair and they put an earpiece in her in her ear and they say, repeat mm. after me. Maybe she has lucid moments. She was in a TV series called Star Command in 2020. She was in Sharknado 5, Global Swarming in 2017. Although, okay. She was on The Young and the Restless in 2016. So one of one of the th- the things that is in pre-production for her is uh, something called the Order, uh-huh. and it's directed by the stunt coordinator from the prequel series, Nick Gilliard. Okay. The stars are Marina Sirtis from Star Trek, Gigi Edgeley from Farscape, Nichelle Nichols from Star Trek. Uh. David Yost from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Oh, there's a lot of Power Rangers in this cast. And it's supposedly a covert group of vigilantes known as the Order dedicate their lives to eliminating violent threats and imminent disasters, but discover that one threat they face is being led by some of their is being led by some of their very own. Okay. So that's weird, but okay. Yeah, I just remember that I went to one of those cons and she was there. 
Uh, I mean, we've definitely I mean, seen her she, places. Yeah, and I mean, she wasn't all there. So um, that's kind of odd that she was still doing stuff, so. Apparently it's Nick Gilliard's directorial debut. Because everything else is stunts on his IMDb. Oh, okay. So yeah, another one that will be missed. It's too bad. Yeah. Oh well. Shatner's got to be quaking in his boots. <laughs> I don't know. I. <sighs> I I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he was just on. Uh, Expedition Unknown with Josh Gates. Do you ever watch that? Yeah. Okay. So he was just on that for Shark Week. <laughs> and um, it's like, uh, he's he's still doing stuff. I mean, he seems pretty coherent. and like. I mean, he's like 90 what? He's, oh, Jesus. Uh, is he 91 now? Is he? Because he did that. He's 91. Um, he did that panel at Comic-Con where he basically said all new Star Trek is shit. And then he made a comment about like being 91 is disgusting. And okay. Like he keeps he keeps going on and on about like he it's too old he never thought he'd be this old all his friends are dead mm. you know it almost turned into an SNL skit <laughs> which he had already done yeah yep wow oh I guess he well, got he got rid of the latest wife too how old was she uh. I don't know. Not as old as him, for sure. Well, yeah. Uh, it doesn't have her age. Uh, Elizabeth Anderson Martin was still grieving the loss of her husband four years earlier when she met William Shatner in 2001. They both shared a love for horses, which helped with their bond. But they also bonded over tragedy. We know that Elizabeth lost her husband unexpectedly, but two years before Shatner met Elizabeth, he lost his third wife. Hmm. He, wait. She died? Or he divorced her? No, they got divorced. Okay. But didn't one of, like, Shatner's wives mysteriously drown in a pool or something? Wasn't that Phil Hartman? No, Phil Hartman got killed by his wife and then she killed herself. Uh. I mean, he's been married four times, for Christ's sakes. Yeah, so this ch the, the Noreen kid was found dead at the bottom of their swimming pool. And he was conveniently out of the house. 
Interesting. Yeah. Maybe that now that he's been to space, he'll like you know, he'll be like, I need to tell everybody the truth. Oh, she was drunk. Oh. Well, being married to him, are you surprised? She was only 40. He would have been... 23 years younger than he is today. (laughs) (laughs) Here you go. There's a math problem for you. 91 minus 23 is... 70, 68? 68. I'm guessing. She was 40? Yeah. Do I really need to pull up my calculator? All right. So what are we saying? 91 minus 23? 68. Definitely like some younger. Don't they all? Homeboy's got a type. Blonde. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So did you watch anything exciting this week? I watched a lot this week. Yeah. <laughs> so I finished Picard. <laughs> Oh, do you, do you watch the episode that you didn't see? Yes. Okay. The episode that I didn't know existed? Yeah. Because I was, you know, pretty content with the way the episode, the, the episode prior to the final, <laughs> it, uh, you know, it ended up. Yeah. Um, it was very interesting. I, I, I kind of liked the redemption of the Borg Queen at the very end where... You know, she's still got all the Borg Queen powers, but she's also got Girardi's humanity. Right. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and now that his his ancestor, uh, yeah, his ancestor is now becoming a Watcher. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was weird. So, but. So then you saw Will Wheaton finally. Then what? So you you finally you saw Will Wheaton finally. Yes. Yeah. I thought he was kind of wasted in that. My my thought is that he, you know, him being um the host of the Ready Room and I, I got to think that he's kind of privy to stuff of like upcoming seasons and stuff. So when they were planning on shooting the entire next generation cast without him. Right. I bet you he was like, well, what about me? Like I was part of that goddamn show. <laughs> and so I bet they were like, well, we'll put you at the end of Picard because we've got, we've got to get rid of the, the Android girl anyway. So she'll become a watcher. How about that? And Wait, you know, the, the Android girl. Yeah. The, the daughter of soon is like an android. Oh, oh, oh. No, she's no. Yeah. Is she? Yeah. I thought she was more of a clone. Well, cuz uh, she can get sick. Well, can she though or was it like faulty wiring? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. 
it's all, it's all semantics. I guess. Uh, and then I finished Orville. Okay. So apparently the mucklocks are Republicans. <laughs> uh, the whole tyroid tirade at the the hearing when Scott Grimes' character is like, and anytime you guys, you know, don't get what you want, you get very self indignant and you cause a big scene. It's like, oh wow, okay. It's it's amazing <laughs> how timely those scripts are for like have being shot like six oh months God. ago. Yeah, yeah. It's I. I think even Seth MacFarlane because the the episode where they do the gender reassignment surgery on right. Bordis's daughter mm-hmm. came out the week that Roe vs Wade was uh, overturned, and that has a parent in it who leaves because they don't agree with it and blah, blah, blah. And Seth right. MacFarlane was like, it was a coincidence. Like we had like, of course we didn't know that this was going to happen. We were just telling a story and like, it just happened to come out on this week. Um, but yeah, there are definite, um, definite parallels between current day things going on and their scripts. And, who could technically be who and there's that whole the the krill leader who is real like can get everybody on their side even though that like she's wrong and right like there's a whole bunch of that kind of shit where it's like oh there's parallels to a whole bunch of people in here but i have to give it to them like this last episode um and you're all caught up with everything well, I've, um, uh, wait, how many episodes did I watch? This was with the Kalon? Uh, the Dolly Parton one. Was that the finale? No. Oh, okay. Then I haven't seen past okay. that. Okay. Well, this last episode. I did see the Kalon, the, the origin of the Kalon. I saw that one. Okay, no, there's there's another one. Uh, I think there's two. There, there's that episode and then another episode that airs this week. Mm, um, okay. And that's the season finale. But I will say this, when you watch it, it's very <laughs> impressive that this is a TV show on a TV show budget. Um, uh, it has a space battle in this r- most recent episode that would rival like stuff in movies. Well, I think the 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 second to last one I saw had this gratuitous effect shot that was just stunning. Of Which, what was it? The Orville flying through space, and it like goes through like this big purple cloud. And oh, yep. I was like, oh my god, that is just amazing. Yep. They've really sunk some money into the visual effects this year. Yeah, definitely. And even like the the models of the ships and like are way more detailed than anything that they had had previously. I think Hulu was their best move of that show. I really do. I think I think moving them to there and getting I guess they got the the budget expanded 
or they are using it in a much better way. Yeah. Um, Cause I guess if the sets were already built, you know, they could just throw a bunch of money at it and like update it and stuff. Uh, you know, that's true. And then, you know, really go with like, okay, well we're going to build digital models of all these and like really make it. I mean, it, it is one of the best Star Trek TV shows I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Seth MacFarlane was such a big Star Trek fan and wanted to do something like it that he really in today's Star Trek world, I think the only thing that it comes that might rival it is strange new worlds. Okay. It's way better than everything else that's on TV for Star Trek. Which is funny because I guess he went to CBS originally and said, we want to do kind of a Star Trek thing. And they were like, no, someday we'll do <laughs> new Star Trek and we don't want a funny Star Trek. And now like it rivals everything that they do. Right. So good for him. Yeah. It's, it's incredibly well done. Um, I also watched Miss Marvel. Okay. What'd you think of that? I really liked it. It's it's a it, very interesting take on a, a Marvel TV show. Yeah. I mean, I liked the whole cultural part of it. Yep. Where, I mean, because, I mean, I was seeing things I had never seen before. And, um, you know, they go back to Pakistan and all that kind of stuff. Right. And there's, there's not a whole lot, like there are things when you watch TV shows, um, one of the, one of the, that pops into my head right away is the, um, is the thing in the, when HBO did their version of Watchmen that started out with the Tulsa race riots. Okay. I had never been taught that in school. And so it was, I had, I originally thought they had made it up for the show until I started reading articles about like inside the real Tulsa race riots. And it was like, holy shit, that was real. Right. And that's the same thing with Miss Marvel. Like there was a thing in Pakistan where when they divided the country, there was this thing called the partition where they were fleeing because of their religion. And like, if you had stayed, they would have killed you. And like, that's not something that's taught in American schools. Right. And so to see it, it like portrayed like realistically and knowing that that shit actually happened and like, you know, and it even follows to the present day where, um, damage control walks into the mosque to look for somebody and everybody pulls out their ID. Right. And they're like, Oh no, no, no. And it's like the fact that that is true life, that people feel like they cannot stand in their building, in their country that they are legal citizens in mm-hmm. without being harassed is fucked up. Yeah. And it's, it's nice that Marvel is like shining kind of a light on that. Yeah, I thought it was well done. I thought the the little twist, not twist, but the the end where um, the mother has bought her a new costume. Uh-huh. I thought that was kind of cool. Did you see the post credit scene in the last episode? I did. Okay. I'm confused. <laughs> so, uh, 
apparently the bangle that Miss Marvel wears is kind of the same technology of the Ten Rings from Shang-Chi. Okay. And she doesn't become Carol Danvers. She changed places with Carol Danvers. But so, she's still herself? No. So th- so wherever Carol Danvers was in the universe, they swap places. Ah, uh, okay. And somehow that's going to lead into the next film. Although Brie Larson looks like she needs a goddamn sandwich. She does. I, it took me a minute to think of who it, to realize that's who it was. Like because we like I kept I kept expecting her to pop up at some point and just for like a cameo or something. And it popped up and I was like, was that really her or was that some skinny blonde chick that they threw in the costume to just kind of get around the fact that maybe that's Ms. Marvel or, or right. Captain Marvel. And it was like, no, that's really her. It's like, holy shit, she's skinny. Yeah. But yeah, I I liked I liked the way that they resolve everything. I like the all the kids getting together and fighting um mm-hmm. fighting damage control in the school. Yep. And they're not it really It was very home alone. Yeah, it 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 wasn't really like she's got superpowers. That comes later, but like when they're in the school, it's like booby traps and stuff. Right. And that's that, it was interesting. It's the only thing that I wish they had done more was in the first couple of episodes, they did a lot of panning shots of buildings where there was like animated artwork on it. Graffiti coming to life. Yeah. Yeah. And that was in the credits too. Yeah. But like in the show, they had done it a couple of times and like the, the text messaging thing where the text messages would pop up, but they would Mm -hmm. be on other things. Right. Like that dies off pretty quick. And I wanted to see more of that. I wanted them to like continue that. Yeah. Cause yeah. it was almost like a living comic book at that point. Right. And I was like, Oh, that's okay. That's how they're going to differentiate this. And then it just kind of devolves into people punching each other and becoming a Marvel show. But I still thought it was good for what it was. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. Um, well worth watching. Have you watched any of the Industrial Light and Magic documentary? I, I I just watched the whole thing. Okay, I I'm trying to pace myself because I'd like I'm a huge ILM fan from when right. I was a kid, and so this is kind of like the the documentary I've been waiting for. Right. Um. So I've been trying not to just blow through it. So we're only up to episode three. Right. Um, but I'm amazed how much actual like behind the scenes footage there is. How amazing is it that somebody thought to not only preserve that, but to document it? Yeah. You know, I mean, everything down from the, the slip and slide in the parking lot to the hot tub, to the hot tub, to the, I mean, the, the rough footage of the dinosaurs from Jurassic Park, it was just incredible to me. It's, it is like, so growing up and being enamored with Star Wars and I had, I had seeked out, seeked, sought, I guess sought. sought. I had sought out a bunch of like making of 
when I was a kid and like there were a couple of VHS of the making of star Wars. And, um, there was one where Mark Hamill, um, hosted a empire strikes back visual effects special. Uh huh. I think it's still on like YouTube. Um, so there's a lot of footage of that in there. Um, but growing up, like people like Phil Tippett and Dennis Murin and John Dykstra were kind of like the rock stars of visual effects because they were the ones who created them. They were the ones who were doing it. Um, they were the ones winning Academy Awards for them. And right. so like seeing the f- seeing footage that I had never seen before of like John Dykstra actually creating the Dykstra, the Dykstra Flex camera. Right. And like there's there was always those stories about George Lucas being um really like when he was in England shooting the first Star Wars of of not feeling well and being like riddled with anxiety and stuff and there's actually a shot in either the first or second episode it must have been the first one where um one of the people on the set turns to George Lucas and says, are you feeling okay? And that's stuff I'd never seen before. And it was like, wow. Okay. The treasure trove of behind the scenes stuff that they must have. Right. Must be amazing. And when you think about it, it was a bunch of guys and women making that were like shooting on film, all this stuff for star Wars. And they were just turning the cameras on each other. And they were just shooting stuff and it's like, wow, okay. Mm-hmm. That's that stuff to me was is absolutely amazing. And seeing all the key players and how shit like shook down because I knew that John Dykstra didn't go to San Francisco, that he opened up his own thing. But like this actually gives context into why. Like his, his volatile relationship with George Lucas over the fact that George comes back from shooting star Wars and they have two shots. Right. And it's a year before the movie comes out and George is like, what the hell's going on here? Like you guys spent like over a million dollars. Right. And like George not understanding that like, Hey, we had to build the stuff too. Right. But like the the thing where I guess somebody was talking about having to go through the screening room and Dykstra and George Lucas are in there screaming at each other. It's like, <laughs> wow. Okay. Like those are all stories I had never heard before. So I'm, I'm really trying to pace myself because I, it's only six episodes and I want it to be more. Right. Yeah. It was so well done. The whole history of ILM. Yeah is just amazing that you know i mean they were in this shitty warehouse building and you know and the fact that they take the time to introduce everybody yeah where it's like here's dennis Murin. he is the stop motion guy that created some of your favorite shots and here's shots of stuff that he did when he was a kid right like here's here's a here's john dykstra's home movies and here's phil tippett's home movies and here's pictures of them as kids. And it's like they really went out of their way to be like, these are the people that created all of your favorite shots. Yep. And they've been doing it since they were kids. And this is what they were doing. It was absolutely amazing. 
Yeah, I mean, it, just an incredible amount of history there. And, you know, even the weird shit where, you know, some of the asteroids are potatoes uh, yep. and yogurt lids and somebody's yep. shoe. And Let's see like, what we can get away with. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But even seeing, like, them building the optical printer. Like, there's a time lapse of them building an optical printer that, like, nobody thinks about when you think about Star Wars. Right. Like, all that stuff is just amazing that they have footage of it. Yep. I hope Disney Plus does more stuff like that. I hope so. I hope so. Um, the the only thing I, I, I didn't like... And it, it really it wasn't about the, the, the documentary series itself, but the fact that like the the model shop just kind of got cast aside has the technology kept developing. Uh, yeah. You know, that it kind of broke up and then they did, you know, smaller projects. And um, I, you know, that's kind of sad to me because I, I like that stuff. Yeah. And it's. You know, if you watch, if you watch the prequel making of stuff that they did, mm-hmm. they did models throughout all three. They right. they did a bunch of like because the digital technology still wasn't quite there in order to create everything that they wanted. So like, Mustafar is pretty much a practical miniature with like the lava and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that's enhanced by visual effects. But I think once the the prequels ended, there was very little call for the the model making um, aspects yeah. of it. Um, and even like um, the the one of the hosts from Mythbusters, Adam Savage, worked at Industrial Light and Magic mm-hmm. in the uh, in the model shop and there was if you listen to interviews with him he talks about like there was a clear moment of you either need to learn digital and figure out how to make things in a computer or you need to to figure out a new career because it was very clear that the writing was on the wall that industrial light and magic was going to get rid of that model shop in favor of computers well and even Lucas calling them all together and just saying it's like you know this the this is the future yeah. and it's coming very quick and then several months later having another meeting going it's coming even faster than we thought yeah so um I mean yeah at least they did that and then just be like okay it's over right I mean but also the whole fact that George didn't keep ILM to himself. He like let them do other projects. In fact, he basically told them, let's yep. like, don't turn down projects from any of my friends. Yep. Well, because he knew he wanted to keep that group together. And so the only way to do that was to take outside work. Right. And you know, it's, it's interesting because we, they kind of came full circle when they did the Mandalorian. And they built yes. a model of the Razor Crest. Yep. 
But now, did you see that episode? I saw um, some interviews with the guy that built the models on YouTube. Okay, because that plays a big part in uh, okay. the last episode. Okay. So I was kind of like, I thought you were pacing yourself. No, I I just love all things ILM. So like, okay. <clears throat> I've seen nerdy things outside of this. <laughs> but the the idea that when John Favreau decided that he wanted a physical model, right, that they didn't have a space for the guy to build it. And so like he winds up in like a closet somewhere. Right. Building right. this and like 3D printing the parts and then like putting it together like old school and he, he said they got they printed it and it was like 52 parts and it was a puzzle putting it together. Yeah, and even like um John Knoll built the the armature control in his um in his garage. Right. Because they didn't have the tools at ILM anymore. And it's like, right. wow, holy shit, man. Yep. It just sucks that, like, there's no... A lot of the stuff that ILM does now doesn't have any physical form. Yeah. You can't... You can only experience it in that one media. Yeah, you can't you go can't to a museum walk and... walk around it. You can't... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, like all the other Star Wars... Um, museum things that they've done yep. where you know they take out the model of the Millennium Falcon and you can walk around it and see the little in jokes on it and stuff like mm -hmm. that's just not there anymore but I mean that's that's the future I guess it's sad sad but the evolution is pretty amazing uh, yeah the other thing that I really enjoy so far about the series is that when they're showing all the Star Wars things, mm -hmm. it's the original print of it. Yeah. There's no, like, they're calling out the mat lines and they're calling out, like, how difficult some of the stuff was. Yep. And they didn't do the thing of, like, you know, the only the only footage that we can show is from the um, the special editions. This is all actual, like, regular first-run theatrical releases. Mm -hmm. And that footage, it's nice to see in HD. Which really gives me hope that Disney will one day be like, well, this is what you want, so here's all the original stuff. Right. I don't know. Well, it's incredibly well done. Yeah, my kid was like, "What are we watching?" And I was like, "It's a, it's about industrial light and magic." And she's, and she said, "Don't, don't they do it all on computers?" I said, "Well, they do right. now, but they didn't back then." Yeah, there was actual like craftsmanship, and, like you know. <laughs> I liked learning soul. that that like uh, during the production of Star Wars, George Lucas would come over and like actually build some of the models. Yes, because it like relaxed him. I was like, okay. That's pretty cool. That's a facet I had never heard before. And didn't Spielberg do that too? For that he kind of came to play in um, at, at ILM? 
Probably. Was it Kerner? Is that where the first yeah. ILM was? Yeah. Well, the second, technically. Second. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do hope that, like, we definitely see more of that. Because, like, Disney Disney Plus has these these flashes of like shows that you'd want to see a bunch of times. Right. Where like they did that, they did that episode, that, that series about the props, the Disney props. Yes. Like that could have gone on for several seasons mm-hmm. and that just went away. Right. Like this would be really cool if they did this for a couple of seasons of like different aspects of star Wars or whatever. I don't know if they're going to do that, but you know, I there's brilliance, there's flashes of brilliance, and I think that like they need to recognize those and do more of them. So this week it was also uh, reported. Um, that we're getting Ben Affleck back as Batman. Hmm. <laughs> Why? So he's in the Flash movie. Ben Affleck is. Yes. Yep. Oh, so that is okay. So Ben Affleck is in the Flash. Well, both he and Michael Keaton are in the Flash mm-hmm. as different Batmans, Batmen, Bat people, Batmans. Um, but it was revealed this week because a behind the scenes tour at the Warner Brothers lot in L.A. happened to be behind the soundstage when I guess Ben Affleck and Jason Momoa walked out from the the Aquaman set. And they were suddenly confronted with people in a, tra- a tram. OK. And so they had to kind of let it out that he was going to be Batman in the Aquaman sequel. My personal feeling is that since they're doing reshoots, I feel like Warner brothers is trying to, to um, deal with the issues that's going to come from having Amber heard in their film. Um, and like Ezra Miller's problems with the flash. And I think that Ben Affleck has been amenable enough to be like, you know, if you want me to cameo in something, I will. Um, and so they're like, Oh, well if we get him back, we can like cut out Amber Heard's part. You know, nobody's Mm, on, nobody's on a petition saying that they don't want fucking Ben Affleck in a movie. Yeah. And so I think that this is their way of cutting her out and still not sacrificing some of the story or whatever. Couldn't they replace the flash in like the first scene? Well, Ezra Miller plays several versions of the flash in that. So I, they probably have to reshoot most of it. That's such a weird, like, he had the world by the balls and then he just went absolutely nuts. Well, kind of like, uh, the guy who was George McFly. 
What was his name? Um, Crispin, Crispin Glover. Glover. Yeah. Well, they also fucked him over in in Back to the Future too. Yeah. I mean, they used prosthetics of his face to make the other actor look like him because they didn't want to pay him the money. And then he had to sue them. And then he went a little nuts. And then he went cray-cray. Yeah. Then he did he did uh, movies about rats. <laughs> yes. So... It, I do find it interesting that there were... So, in years past, DC had gone to, to um, Comic-Con and laid out their plan a couple of years in advance. And this year, they only focused on things coming out this year, which was Shazam and Black Adam. Yep. And so, they left out Aquaman and The Flash... And I think they're trying to do damage control over it. Hmm. Because the f- I think Aquaman was originally scheduled to come out this year. And they flopped it for something else. Okay. And it's August and they're, well, it's almost August and they're doing p- like, um, uh, reshoots. It sounds to me like they're really trying to, to, fix whatever they can so people will actually go to the movie. Interesting. I mean, it's it's a uh, I mean, people see so much on the internet these days that it's kind of hard to erase some of those things that, that you know, like Ezra Miller has done. Yeah. Especially when it keeps happening. Like if it was once, like if he had been arrested once and you could kind of think that it might've been a misunderstanding about something, Mm -hmm. that'd be one thing. But him like breaking in the hotel rooms with a gun and like, like hitting fans and shit. That's hard to get over. Yeah. I, I just don't know how they, they deal with that. I mean, maybe some of the reshoots for the, like maybe they'll do the flash thing where like they reshoot the end cause they're doing flashpoint. Right. So maybe when he comes back to, you know what he perceives to be his regular timeline, it's a different actor and they just go with the fact that like, he just looks different now. Hmm. You know, he looks in the mirror and he goes, well, that didn't work out the way that I wanted it to. <laughs> I don't know. It's a, it's, it's gotta be hard for them to, to work this out. So that, like, it's going to be successful. They just can't catch a break. Do you think it's time for them to just stop? <laughs> I I don't know whether or not I would like to continue to see DC movies. 
Okay. I think they have a lot of good characters that they could turn into decent movies. I think their their issue is they they reach out to actors that are either not well known or on the decline to be in these films and it it turns around and bites them in the ass. Um I think I think they got to the rock before like Marvel could. Yeah. And I think that they're probably paying him a shitload enough to where like he's not really like looking at the MCU, but I also don't think the MCU might be trying to place the rock in a movie because he's too well known. Like they do a bunch of, they always try to like bring up new people that will stick around for a while and not every single movie be, have to pay them more like the, like Robert Downey Jr. was the chance that they took, but like by Endgame, he made like seventy-eight million dollars for that right. for that movie. Yep. And I think going forward, they're going to try to avoid that as much as possible. But I think DC shows up and is like, "Here's what, um, here's what we're thinking for pay," and it's probably not in the millions of dollars. It's probably a million, if not less than that. And they have to deal with like, you know, those insane schedules to try to get these movies out. Right. You know, I'm hoping that DC has kind of learned their lesson with like the suicide squad and like actually brought in decent actors for decent rates and made a movie that was somewhat watchable. Right. You know, I I think Peacemaker was was a good TV show um, that was made on a DC budget. And I think that moving forward, they need to recognize that, like, they need actors that they can put in these things that aren't going to have, like, a mental breakdown or want to stick around for a decent amount of time so that they can tell the stories they want to tell. I really think they need to go back to standalone movies. Yeah. And not have to squeeze everybody in. Don't do what Marvel does. Do your own thing. Like, I think that's why the Batman worked. Yeah. It wasn't connected to anything. It was a story that was interesting. It was decent actors. It was made the way that the director wanted to make it. And it was semi-successful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I like this, the Zack Snyder version of justice league better than the Joss Whedon one, but I still don't know if it was absolutely necessary in order for it to be released. Yeah. I still haven't watched that. I mean, I'm look, I'm happy that Zack Snyder got to fulfill his vision for what he wanted. I I know that there are a bunch of fanboys online that thinks it's the be all end all of superhero films and it's not. I don't think we've ever gotten the be all end all. 
I think the closest we ever came was the Dark Knight. And the Dark Knight was a movie. It was a Batman movie that didn't necessarily need Batman in it. Yeah. And I think DC needs to continue that in that direction. Because that that made a bunch of money, and then they turned around and gave Chris Nolan full range, and we got Dark Knight Rises or whatever the fuck that was, and that wasn't very good. So I don't know. I just think that they need to figure out a better way to cast their movies. Yeah. And I still think that there's a lot of something we discussed last week in like superhero fatigue. Definitely. It's like, okay, now what? Okay. Now what do I have to go see? (laughs) And even if I don't like this, I still have to go see it because I'm going to want to see the next thing. And it's like, all right, you know, at least there are only four Indiana Jones movies. (laughs) There weren't multiple spin-offs. There wasn't the the Marion uh, Ravenwood miniseries, you know? Like, here's your four movies, soon to be five, and then that's it. There's only three Indiana Jones films. I'm sorry. Whatever. <laughs> Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is such a weird departure from the other three, it can't be counted as an Indiana Jones film. But he's in it. It's like a, it's like an Indiana Jones fan film, man. I suppose it's like um, Force Awakens is a Star Wars fan film, but that has a bunch of the original actors in it. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. <laughs> the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was their attempt at whatever and I don't ever think that it really worked well it was kind of misguided because it's like oh we're gonna bring Marion back and she has a son and it's Indy's son and we'll kind of try to set him up to take over the you know the next sequel and and then he went batshit crazy yeah there's another batshit crazy actor yep yep that's should have just left well well enough alone yeah and then they were like all right well we know people didn't like that so we're going to do a part five you don't right. have to do a part five really. just let it go just let it go just let it go elsa let it go <laughs> oh who knows i think I'm, i don't know i think i'm getting tired of things being reinvented because people don't have original ideas well that's a definite I mean we're definitely we're definitely in the like idea of people making shows and movies and stuff where it's just like this is going to be just like this only slightly different or we're going to reboot this and you don't really have to Mm mm-hmm I do think there's good original TV out there. I just think it's few and far between. <clears throat> yeah. But even the stuff that I really like, like Stranger Things, even though Stranger Things is 
an original story. It's feeding off the nostalgia of the eighties and everything that came before it. And it's like, it's kind of an original story, but not totally. And I just don't know if there is a way to do original stories anymore. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, our attention span is so short and there's 600 channels. Yeah. And we, we don't want to put effort into things because people aren't really going to flock to it. And when you've got things like real housewives and Kardashians, it's like, why bother trying to, you know, be creative. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the, the networks, the, like the streaming stuff now and the networks that are on cable and stuff have all become very singularly focused. The Paramount network has vowed to do 52 weeks of new Star Trek. Um, whether that be one of the animated series or Picard or strange new worlds or discovery, you can sit down once a week and see brand new Star Trek. The walking dead has basically dominated AMC where all the different shows are going to be on once a week for the entire year. Yeah, but hasn't it run its course? Is there still more to tell? That's not stopping them from doing spinoffs. I know. Well, I know it's not, but it's like, you know, get wrap some shit up, will you? Stop leaving all these holes thinking that you're going to come back with, you know, the Rick Grimes movie. And it's like, oh, shit, that ship sailed. Well, it's going to be a series now. <laughs> well, that yeah, exactly. That was the you waited too long. You should have been in pre-production when you announced that those movies were coming out. Right. But they were like, oh, yeah, we're just starting to write the scripts. And it's like, oh, OK, well, that's going to be years away. And then at, at Comic-Con, they had to clarify, oh, no, it's going to be a six-part series instead of the movies. By justifying it as, oh, you're going to get six hours of it instead of two. Okay, but is it going to be two hours of actual story and four hours of filler? Right. Because I bet that's what it's going to be. We don't need an entire six-part miniseries based on those two characters. Like two characters that are horrible parents that left their children behind (laughs) and never went back for them. Like those are the people we're supposed to be rooting for in this. I just think it's, it's so micro focused now on like, we're going to be the, we're going to be the star Trek channel and we're going to be this and we're going to be that channel. You know, it didn't work out for CW when CW was like, we're going to do all these superhero shows and we're going to dump a bunch of money into it. And then they got sold and the people who came behind them were like, nah, we don't want to do this anymore. It's like, okay, so what do I watch now? Cause I don't want to watch the fucking flash. Is that still on? I think so. I think it's coming up to its last year. I could be wrong. I keep seeing pictures online of like people, different people in like different colored flash suits. Ooh. And it's like, ah, oh, so we're still on speedsters, huh? 
Yeah. Like you don't have to, every villain doesn't have to be a speedster, but what do I know? I think all that heyday and like the fatigue of all of it is just going to catch up. I'm really thinking that we're going to end up in another, um, reality TV era. I think that the, the networks are going to look at that and be like, well, that's a lot less money than these pricey superhero shows. And so we'll do that instead. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. You kind of get to a point where it's like you want something else and you keep getting the same thing over and over again. I mean, I'm I'm up all for like good sci-fi and stuff like that. I just it's very few and far between these days. Mhm. Like the Expanse was really good, so they canceled that. Yeah. You know, the like Westworld is okay. Westworld had one of their better episodes last week where in the middle of a season they completely changed with this big um um what's the word I'm looking for? Oh god, why can't I think of the fucking word? God damn. Um and something happens that you're not expecting, it's a plot twist? Twist. Thank you. <laughs> this big twist in the middle of the episode that completely changes the show. And it was like, holy fuck, that was amazing. But they only do 10 episodes a year. And like the last, the last season of Westworld was two years ago. Right. So like, you know, so what's, what's HBO doing next? They're doing a a prequel to game of Thrones and it's like, okay, am I going to want to watch this? Is this going to be something that I'm going to even be interested in? Right. Like my nostalgia for game of Thrones that ended two years ago is not really like, I'm not really like chomping at the bit for more of it. Mm-hmm. You know, the Lord of the Rings show on, on, um, Amazon most expensive show ever made. Not exactly hyped for it. Right. Like we've seen that stuff. Like it's not, it's, it's a, it's an original story set in the world of Lord of the Rings. Meh. Right. Okay. Like who was, who was asking for this? Right. Right. Besides, you know, Amazon trying to figure out how to make a buck. So I don't know. I, I just don't know what to think anymore. <laughs> well, you should go to the internet and it will tell you what to think. It was great being a nerd for a couple of years. And then it was like, okay, that's too much. Like back it off a bit. I don't know. You going to have some cake for Harry Potter's birthday today? Uh, no, I was no. going to have cake for George Jetson's birthday. Oh, were they, were they born on the same day? Yes. Nice. Yes. Here's George Jetson. Yeah. 
Do you buy into the conspiracy theory that the Jetsons and the Flintstones happened at the same exact time? And one was up in the clouds and one was on the ground? No. No? No. You believe they were millions of years apart? Uh, sure. Okay. Because that's the other theory. Yeah, I no. I didn't they do that in a movie though? Didn't they like make it in the same universe at the same time? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't see to recall that. I let's see. So the Jetsons Flintstones post-apocalyptic theory. Uh, had its beginnings in the 1987 television crossover special, The Jetsons Meet the Flintstones. In the special, Elroy built a time machine that was supposed to send him and his family into the 25th century. The machine malfunctioned and they ended up going to the bedrock instead. What this theory suggests, this theory suggests, however, is what if the time machine actually took them to the 25th century and what if the Flintstones is actually set in a post-apocalyptic future? Where dinosaurs came back to life. See, that's just I. It doesn't make sense. That's all I'm saying. I can I can see where you're coming from with that for sure. It. I mean, why? Why would everything devolve to that point? Okay, so to to answer your question. Uh huh. It's believed that nuclear war occurred hundreds of years prior. To prior to the Flintstones and that the characters from the Flintstones were all that remained of a war-torn world. It's also believed that after the catastrophic war, many people evacuated from the earth and built houses in the air. When the radioactive levels went down, several of these sky-ridden individuals returned to the ground to repopulate the earth. Many animals were also presumably mutated into dinosaurs from the nuclear fallout of the war. So it was actually thought about. Yeah, but still, I (laughs) no, sorry. What should also be taken into consideration regarding this theory is the year that the show came out. The series came out during the height of the Cold War, and because of that fact, it's too hard to believe that perhaps a bomb from said war was dropped on what would soon become bedrock. Additionally, the characters are seen celebrating Christmas, even though the Stone Age happened before the birth of Christ. That's just stupid writing. <laughs> okay. Then there's the divided coexistence theory. Um, what if the time machine malfunctions so much that it teleported them to the earth below and because the dwellers down there are living in such primitive conditions, they assume it's the past? Perhaps after the earth became harsh and hostile post-apocalypse, a rich, the rich fled to cities they built in the sky, leaving the less well-off to languish in the remnants of a decimated civilization. It's a fucking cartoon, people. It's based on the honeymooners. Move on. Well, <laughs> okay. I mean, it is weird how people get these conspiracy theories going. How do you con- how do you explain the Great Kazoo, though? Harvey Corman's a comic genius. 
<laughs> but that's a space alien in the Flintstones. Is he an alien or is he a magical being? I don't know. See? Let's see what the internet says. <laughs> the great gazoo? Let's see. Uh, is a tiny green floating alien who was exiled to Earth from his planet Zetox, sometimes called Ziltox, by Gazim the Mighty as punishment for having invented a doomsday machine, a weapon of immense destructive power. His invention was a button which, if pressed, would destroy the universe in an explosive zam. Though he insists he made it on a whim. Uh, Gazoo was discovered by Fred and Barney when his flying saucer crashed. Gazoo recognizes Fred and Barney's world as prehistoric Earth, implying Gazam and the mighty Gazam, the mighty of Zetox, banished him through time as well as space. Due to the terms of his exile, he was required by Gazam to do good deeds for whoever found him first, putting him reluctantly under Fred and Barney's command. Uh, and apparently he has made cameos in Space Jam A New Legacy He made a cameo in the revival of the Animaniacs He re he appears in Jellystone Which is an animated streaming series on HBO Max um, where he's voiced by Falula Borg, Falula Borg, in a German accent. And he also makes an appearance uh, for Scooby-Doo reunion special, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You Now?, that aired on the CW and was voiced by Frank Welker. So he has a rich history. All right, then. So there was a weird, like, tie-in with a post-apocalyptic bomb, though. Isn't that a little heavy for a kid's cartoon? I don't know. <laughs> do you think that we've dumbed down kids' cartoons? Or do you think kids' cartoons have always been dumbed down? See I, see, I don't know, because there are things like Rick and Morty that are very much not kids' cartoons. Right, but so... And even what you had mentioned earlier about, like, anime. Right. So, I mean, kids know a lot more than we give them credit for. But, I mean, if you go back and watch the, the Looney Tunes... Right. There are some adult subjects that are weaved into that that are meant to go over the kids' heads. Sure. There's also a lot of racism. But, right, you know. exactly. So I'm wondering whether or not, like, people didn't sit around a writer's room when they were coming up with a great kazoo and were like, um, 
Well, we have to have a backstory for him. So he created this thing that could destroy a world. And, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Yep. But if you're going to watch it, don't watch Flintstones and Viva Rock Vegas. That's a terrible film. Is that the one with Mark Addy? The yes. guy from... And uh, one of the Baldwin brothers. Oh. Plays um, Barney. Uh, Stephen Baldwin. And it's got Kristen Johnst- Johnston, Jane Krasowski, and Alan Cumming as the Great Kazoo. It's weird because it's supposed to be a sequel to the John Goodman one. But, like, the Great Kazoo is in it, and he's not in the John Goodman one. It's weird. And I want to say in the movie, like, when they meet um, Betty and Wilma, Fred is dating Betty at first, and Wilma's dating Barney. And then I don't know if it's just some kind of like weird sharing thing where they, you know, they get with the right person. It's weird. Did I lose you? John? Some, oh. Something really weird is happening. Uh-oh. Are you being taken up in the space? No. But something is playing on my computer, but I have no browser open. Oh. I have no idea what the hell that was. <laughs> that was freaking bizarre. It's the aliens. It must be. It's the Great Kazoo. It all came full circle. That's too weird. But now he'll do good things for you. You think so? Well, that's if you find him. Okay. I'll start looking for him. Okay. He might be under the bed. (laughs) All right. Well, you got anything else for this week? Uh... No. No? All right. All right. Well, if you want to get in touch with us, you can always send us an email at info at dancemonkeypodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Let us know you're listening. So until next week, this is Chris. This is John. Have a good week. Hailing frequencies are open. Boom.